Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Means that the number one pick in the 2021 NBA draft goes to the Detroit Pistons. Who's got the number one pick in this year's Detroit. draft? Who's got the number one pick in this year's draft? Basketball! Select Isaiah Stewart. The Detroit Pistons select Killian Hayes. Sadiq, that was absolutely sensational. I don't know what went into that process. I met the criteria to be selected, but I wasn't. From long range. Oh! Yes! Yes! Detroit Basketball! Hey, what's going on, Pistons fans? Welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, brought to you by the Belief podcast network aaron johnson and jasper apollonia here with you this week jasper how we doing oh i'm doing great man excited for tonight's michigan game uh sweet 16 Uh, obviously this will be coming out tomorrow so you'll already know the result of that game if you're listening to this but no spoilers um yeah it's it's been a fun little week for pistons fans as well they had a great win over the hawks last night um, we've had some fun performances from Jeremy Grant, Kate Cunningham, and Sadiq Bay. So lots to talk about on a bunch of fronts here, Aaron. I'm I'm excited. We're getting to the end of the season, and every single one of these games is really starting to matter. Yeah, no doubt about it. A lot to talk about. We're gonna get into the Pistons, we're gonna get into March Madness, we're gonna get into the NBA draft. But before we do that, want to take a moment to talk about our first sponsor bet online it's that time of year as college basketball takes center stage with the tournament finally upon us if you're looking to wager this year bet online is the number one spot for all of your updated odds and info along with great contests including the bracket contest where you have a chance to take home the top prize head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit just use our promo code believe b-l-e-a-v to get started Bet online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Bet online where the game starts. I'll tell you what, March Madness is one of my favorite times here to gamble. I love betting on the games. My bracket, actually, my bracket in the Believe uh, host uh, bracket tournament, I, they posted the other day that uh, I was one of the 10 hosts to still have all their final four teams remaining in the bracket. Okay. So this one's going pretty well for me. Okay, Aaron. Talking. Is is not going well whatsoever, <laughs> but that's fine. I'm gonna take this one as uh you know you get you take your wins where, where you can get them. But overall March Madness definitely one of my favorite times of the year uh to bet a little bit. It's fun just kind of it adds a little bit more spice to the games that are already so intriguing but uh, you got any you got any fun fun betting gambling stories from March Madness this well, past week or coming up? You know, it's not March Madness, but it is a, a fun little gambling fact about the Pistons. They've now covered Aaron. This is insane. They've covered in 21 straight games. 21 straight. No one's told me this. I I I didn't believe it myself until I, I saw somebody saying this on Twitter. They've they've covered in 21 straight games now after their their win against the Hawks. And I believe it, man. I've been betting on them uh, for a while now, and uh, they've been paying off just fine for me. I, I haven't been betting so much on March Madness. You know, I, I have my 
my brackets. And once those essentially got killed, I decided, hey, I, I just want to enjoy the tournament for what it is. Um, not have to, you know, be be rooting against a 15 seed because I picked Kentucky to win it all. I hate that. I, I like rooting for the upsets. When it comes to the NBA, when it comes to these games that maybe don't matter so much or when there's player props, stuff like that, uh, that's a little bit more more my speed in March. But, man, it's been a lot of fun so far. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to try and confirm this for you right now, Aaron. But I believe it is now 21 straight games the Detroit Pistons have covered. That's crazy. That That's insane to me. I, uh, I have not been keeping track of that. But I guess it kind of adds up with the way that the Pistons have been playing as of late. They've been a much more competitive team overall, and they've had – a lot of good performances across the roster, really. I think we've seen a lot of different players kind of step up and, and show their promises as franchise tries to move forward. One of those guys actually just scored 51 points in a single game. That was Sadiq Bey uh, in a recent Pistons win on last Thursday. So I think last week's podcast came out Thursday morning. And that night, later that night, Sadiq Bey, scored 51 points, made 10 three-pointers, added nine rebounds, four assists, and three steals in a Pistons 134-120 win over the Orlando Magic. And then last night, Wednesday, Sadiq Bey set the Pistons' all-time record for three-pointers made in a single season, passing Allen Houston. Uh, Bey got to, it was 192, he set the record, I think he hit, two or three three-pointers in the game. So I'm not sure if he's at 192 or 193, but he's got another, whatever it is, 10 or so games to add on to that uh, single season record. And it's been an interesting year for Sadiq Bey. Uh, he started off the season incredibly cold, really not the level of player that we saw in his rookie season when he was awarded a spot on the All-NBA rookie team. Uh, just was a different player and not in a good way. And now, a couple months later, he's a completely different player, showcasing so much more than just an ability to knock down three-pointers. He's scoring inside. He's distributing the basketball. He's handling the basketball more. And it's been a streaky season for Sadiq Bey, but I think we're at a point where it's been more good than bad. And I, that leads me to my main question in our first topic. Is Sadiq Bey a good enough piece to be considered a key piece for the Detroit Pistons moving forward past this season. Yeah. Um, Aaron, absolutely. I don't think there can be really any question about it at this point. Look over his last 47 games, last 47 games. This is not like a small sample size right here. He's averaging 19 points, almost six rebounds, three assists per game. Um, he's doing this on 42, 37, 84% splits. Aaron, I mean, he's simply like he's doing what you need him to do. 58% true shooting percentage. He's giving you solid defense. Um, and the thing that I think that's most impressive about Sadiq Bey is that he's really improved in a lot of the things that he needed to improve last year when we were looking at him. You know, and everybody's like, hey, it's great that he's shooting these threes at such a high percentage. Uh, but he needs to score better inside. Well, you know, over the second half of the season, over the last, really, the last three months of this season, um, he's been scoring efficiently in the paint. He's been shooting well from outside, which you knew he was going to do already. But 
he's also improved his assist percentage. He has doubled his assist percentage this year. His turnover percentage is the same. So for me, when I look at that, that's a player that's still improving. That's a player that has a clear baseline of productive performances. And he's a player that can contribute in multiple ways to this team. Um, I don't think there could be any question about it right now, Aaron. He is absolutely the second most important piece of this core behind Kate Cunningham, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I want to give credit to him for really expanding his game to a point where, for example, in the win against Atlanta, he only scored 10 points. He shot three of 13 from the field, but he still had four assists. His added playmaking ability needs to be commended since uh, January 19th. Sadiq Bay's only had four games uh, where he's recorded one or fewer assists. He's had four games where he's recorded six assists and a game where he's recorded, recorded eight assists. He's ever, or he's, he's had two assists in every game, two or more assists in every game since January 19th outside of four games. He is just, that is definitely a place where he's really improved as a playmaker, as a secondary distributor. Uh, It's, it's an, it's an impressive part of his game because it's not something that he came into the league really knowing how to do. It was something that, we talked about last year as something that, hey, it, it would be ideal for Sadiq Bey as part of his growth to become more of a guy that can handle and distribute the basketball and be more than just a spot-up shooter. And, and that's something that has noticeably gotten better uh, throughout the season. And it makes up for those odd nights where he does have a bad shooting performance. And luckily for Detroit, they have some other guys that can score the basketball in punches, Jeremy Grant, Kate Cunningham, to a point where if Sadiq has an off night scoring, he can still contribute in other ways. And the Pistons are going to have a chance to compete and win in a ball game. So uh, I, I do think he is a piece. Uh, Sadiq is a guy that I really like. He's just the prototypical two way type of guy in the NBA nowadays. I really do think that the Chris Middleton comparisons that he draws are really, really fair. I know there's the whole, you know, Detroit connection. Chris Middleton was originally a Piston, but it's not just that. They just have very similar games, especially when you look at them at the beginning of their career, beginning of where they were really starting to become productive NBA players. Now, I know it didn't happen for Middleton right away in the NBA, uh, but when he initially started to thrive in Milwaukee, he was more so just a knockdown three-point shooter with some good defensive instincts. But over time is where his ball handling, his playmaking kind of came to fruition. And we're seeing that at a very quick pace with Sadiq Bey. So uh, he's a hard worker. Dwayne Casey's already talked about how Sadiq's one of the guys that's already been talking and planning and scheduling out his workouts for the summer. He's improved so much throughout the season. I, I think he deserves to be considered a key piece for Detroit moving forward and someone that they shape their roster uh, around and keep him in mind when they're you know, making decisions about the draft or making decisions in free agency. I think he's, he's earned that respect. I don't know if I thought about thought of Sadiq Bay and that stature at the beginning of the season. I think, you know, if you asked me back in October, what I thought of Sadiq Bay, I, I would have said, I think his peak might be a really good six man, but really I, this year he's, he's definitely turned, uh, turned around my, my opinion of him. I think there's more to it. I think, He's one of those guys that maybe never gets to an all-star game, but kind of like a Mike Conley. And I know he, he got to one eventually last year, uh, but is always just like 
on the cusp and everyone knows that's a really good player uh, might not have all of the accolades, but you know, he's going to give you something every night. Aaron, I see more of like, um, I don't know, like a Richard Lewis type thing, but I get what you're saying there. Like, obviously he's not as tall as Richard Lewis was, and he's a lot, lot thicker than Richard Lewis ever was, but yeah, something like that. Like a guy who goes out there and has some really productive years and contributes to a team that is really chasing a title and is a huge part of it. Uh, you ever listen to like Stan Van Gundy? He talks about Richard Lewis's role on that Orlando Magic team. He was the guy that really they needed to get to that uh, that that championship against the Lakers. And I think Sadiq Bay could absolutely be a player like that. He's if you look back at his numbers this year, I think a lot of people, if they're just box score watching, if they're just looking at basketball reference, they're going to look and they're going to say, oh, he actually kind of regressed in some ways. He just was more of a volume shooter because his three-point percentage is down and his, you know, effective field goal percentage is down. And, well, yeah, he added some assists, blah, 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 blah. Um, That's not really the case. Like, if you've been watching this team, he was really, really bad to start the year. And he has been consistently really good for the last 50 or so games. So um, I'm not really worried about maybe some of like the superficial numbers that'll pop up in Sadiq's Bay, Sadiq Bay's statistical profile when you look back at it after this year. I think that he's absolutely proven he is a big part of this team moving forward. And I mean, how how more could he prove it by dropping 51 points against the Orlando Magic the other night? That was, I, I mean, what a display. I was racking my brain. I was trying to think, was that a more or less impressive performance than Blake Griffin's 50? I have my answer, uh, but I'm interested to to hear what you think. Is that more or less Im- impressive than the 50 Blake dropped against Philly a couple years ago? Look, absolutely nothing to take away from Sadiq's performance last week. I mean, he was unguardable, and anything that he was throwing up was going in. But I, I remember watching Blake Griffin's 50 point game. Yeah. I, I remember the poster against Joel Embiid to, to seal the win. It's very, very tough for me to pick against that. I thought, well, I, I mean, both performances are obviously spectacular. Uh, Sadiq was not missing. I mean, 10 of 14 from the three point line. That's in, insane. But mm-hmm. Blake's 50 burger I, I, against Philadelphia was such a big deal. Meanwhile, and I know, it's unfair because it was the beginning of, of March Madness and all, and everyone was worried about that um, when, when Sadiq had his 50 point game, but, but Blake Griffin's 50 point game was a talking point, not just for the Pistons, but around the league at when it happened and, and Sadiq's happened and no one really said anything, you know, you got a couple tweets from the NBA account on Twitter and that was really it. No one really cared, which is unfortunate, but Blake's was a, a big deal on a national level. It was a big win for Detroit against a good Philadelphia team. The, the game winner to ice it off. I mean, it's it's tough to, to pick over Blake Griffin. I thought that performance, you know, that's one that I still remember to this day. Yeah. Yeah, same. I, I'm, I'm with you on that, Aaron. I, I have to say, I think that's that's my answer as well. And, it, you know, it didn't help Sadiq Bay's case that multiple NBA players dropped 60 points in, like, the week leading up to it. Uh, guys have been just dropping insane numbers lately. So perhaps Sadiq Bay's 50-point game didn't stand out quite as much there. But uh, just really quickly, I actually want to clarify something I said earlier. The Pistons are now, it's 
15 one and one against the spread over their last 17 games. That's what they are. Uh, they blew their streak against Portland. I totally forgot about that. They were actually favored in that game. They ended up losing. Yeah, they were that like was, 10 point favorites. They were huge favorites. That was one where I, I got scared. I didn't bet on that. Cause I was like, that doesn't make any sense for the Pistons to be that no big way. of favorites. I know Portland is like basically throwing out a G league team, but I mean, the Pistons had 19 wins at the time. Pistons, so Pistons do that at the time anyway. I mean, they, they've been doing that a, a lot lately with Garza, Saban Lee, Jamorco Pickett, Isaiah Livers. Uh, yeah. they'll, they'll mix in, you know, a Cade or, or, or Sadiq with them, but it's like they're throwing four or five G-leaguers out there at a time themselves right now. It's, it's pretty hard also for, in my experience, for the Pistons to really uh, win a game comfortably unless Killian Hayes is in the lineup. I actually should probably do some. I'm I'm gonna look into this, but um, from what I can read, what I'm recollecting, when they win comfortably, it's usually because Killian Hayes has a good game. Um, it certainly was the case last night against the Hawks. He was great. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to touch on that. Weirdly enough, the Pistons—they have been. If you are betting on the Pistons, like I have been, no wonder I've been winning so much lately. <laughs> it's because they. I've been betting on Detroit and they've been paying off for me. So yeah. Hey, I guess when it comes to that, uh, just don't bet on the over under um, because I don't think they have more than, than two, maybe three wins left in them this year, this season. Uh, although we'll probably get more into that next week. Won't we? Aaron? Yeah. They've got an interesting schedule coming up. Definitely some winnable games. And you look really at the, the back end of the schedule, those last few games, you know, guys, other teams, okay, see, man, playoff spots might be resting guys and we are going to talk about that one last point I wanted to add about Sadiq Bay is I talked about his slow start to the year it was really the first two months October and November so you had the six yeah. games in October and then 15 more in November where he was not himself was not knocking down shots since then he's been above 36 and a half percent from the three-point line in the last four months he scored over 17 points per game average wise uh, he's average. He averaged 4.1 assists per game in February. He's at three and a half in March right now. So he has been a much better player. It was really the first 20 games of the year that that Bay was not himself. And it took him some time to to kind of find his form, which I think also is a little bit worrisome because I think everyone had more of a sky high expectations for him coming off of a postseason where he spent a lot of time with Team USA. Uh, so I think some people were like expecting Sadiq to take that leap. Like, oh, he was just training with team USA guys was with Zach Levine and, and Kevin Durant and all those guys like this, he's going to be come out and be an all-star level player. And it didn't happen. It took him some time, but right now he's definitely playing the best ball of his career and uh, has a bright future ahead of him in the league. I think Sadiq really uh, right now is, is, is just really proving that man, Troy Weaver, that was his best pick outside of the obvious in Cade Cunningham. Sadiq Bay, far and away the best pick of Troy Weaver's tenure so far. E easily. And, and a part of this team for, for years to come, hopefully. Um, you know, yeah, like, yeah, like you said, he had a bad first couple months of the season. But let's be real. The whole team was atrocious for the first two months of the season. Now that Cade is there, I think Cade really coming into his own has made a huge difference. Jeremy Grant being back in the lineup has made a huge difference. And accepting the role that he has as well. Um, I haven't seen many... Tweets complaining about Jeremy Grant lately, especially after you dropped 40 against Cleveland. So it's this team is has very slowly but surely come into their own and they're looking a lot better playing together. 
and everybody just seems comfortable. That's the nice thing. You see Sadiq Bey doing it. It's not like he's having a hot streak. It's just, it's just what he does now, right? Yeah, these guys have all kind of found their groove, and I think that that stability of having your three guys, three main guys healthy has has really helped. And it's obviously taken time for them to to develop chemistry and and you know figure out how to maximize each other on the court. But I think just having Jeremy Sadiq and Kate together on the court it is a huge part in getting this team to to compete at a higher level on a nightly basis. Let's move on uh, into our next topic. But before that, let's talk a little bit about athletic greens. Tons of people take multivitamins, but it's important to choose one that's top quality. With one delicious scoop of athletic greens, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogenes to start your day right. Their special blend of ingredients supports gut health, your nervous system, immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's also lifestyle friendly and fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or artificial anything. Reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you one free year of supply of immune supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash believe that's B-L-E-A-V. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash believe. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Athletic Greens, take ownership of your health. All right. March Madness, we hinted at it a little bit earlier in the show. Uh, it started off started off with an absolute bang. There has been some phenomenal games. Uh, you mentioned the Kentucky game number 15 seed St. Peter's topping them uh, in the opening round. They're still in it. They, they're going to the sweet 16. I believe they played tomorrow against Purdue, but yes, I might be wrong. They but, do. And that that's one where I'm like, Oh man, this is if If this is the time for Purdue to ever break their curse, it's this one, right? Have you seen the picture of St. Peter's gym? Yeah. Yes, I have. Yeah. I, that's, that's, that's crazy. A division one program. That is I, insane. I don't know, man. But what's nice about this year is that with a little bit less of a intriguing or top tier talent, international crop of prospects, a lot of the main guys are in the tournament. Really the top five picks are in the tournament. Probably more, but just off the top of my head, Chet Holmgren's still in it. Paolo Bencaro still in it. Jaden Ivey is still in it. Uh, Holmgren and Ben Caro play tonight. So what happens here in their games is already going to have happened by the time this hits the airwaves tomorrow. Jaden Ivey and Purdue play on Friday. Jabari Smith and Keegan Murray, another Smith might be the top pick in the draft. Murray, definitely a top 10 prospect. They've been eliminated out of March Madness, but we've seen a lot of great games. We've gotten a look at a lot of key prospects. What have been some of your initial thoughts on some of these guys so far? I know I really liked what I saw uh, from Paulo against Michigan State. He just looks like a guy that has a, a very safe floor. Like he is mm-hmm. going to be a productive NBA player just because he can score in so many different ways. He's got a very good frame. He's got size. It just looks like it's going to be easy for him to be good. He might not have the highest ceiling, 
but I think he's one of those guys that has a very, very safe floor. Maybe something similar that was talked about with Cade Cunningham last year. Cade Cunningham was considered a very safe pick because he was going to have a high floor because he could do so many different things. I think Paolo kind of in that same ilk, just because he is such a, a, a an easy guy that can go get you a basket. I really liked what I saw from him against MSU. There have been some phenomenal performances, uh, but what have your thoughts been so far? Well, Aaron, I mean, okay. So, you know, I've been a big Paolo guy, but the more I see of him, the more I get worried. Yeah. I heard you say the Kate Cunningham comparison. I get more worried about him being similar to another guy that was seen as being a, a really high floor Duke forward uh, with a good frame. Seemed like he had an NBA, you know, ready offensive game. Not so great defensively. His name was Jabari Parker. Um, they had another guy kind of similar to that. His name was Jaleel Okafor. So I guess for me, I'm looking at, at Paolo and yeah, there is that part of me that looks at the footwork and says, I think this is a dude that can come in and score 15, 20 points a game in the NBA from like day one. I think he's just got that kind of offensive game. And I think he could absolutely fit in the Piston system like that. But I do worry about him defensively and Perhaps this is just recency bias, but yeah, it does it does worry me a little bit that he is coming out of Duke and he is in a similar role to some other guys who also went to Duke that weren't very successful in the NBA. Um, for me, Chet Holmgren has been really impressive. I think right now, I, I, again, I've been a Paolo guy for before the season, but I think as of right now, if Pistons get the first pick, I gotta say Chet Holmgren's gotta be the guy. Uh, I think you put a forward a front court together of him and Jeremy Grant and Sadiq Bay and you have Isaiah Stewart and Kelly Olenek in there as well as Marvin Bagley some way shape or form uh that to me is like that I can work with that I can really work with that and I think what he can bring you defensively and especially at the rim I think that those are really impressive things um but there's some other guys that also have to be in the conversation here right Aaron because there is a chance with the way that the NBA draft lottery odds work, and especially with where the Pistons are compared to Orlando and OKC, there's a chance they could be picking, you know, not first, second, third, but fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, God forbid. Um, there's some guys in that range like A.J. Griffin and Keegan Murray, um, Jaden Ivey, perhaps even, are any of those guys, players that stand out to you? Yeah, I really, really like uh, a different name that you didn't mention, but kind of in that same spot. Like if the Pistons are picking seven, sure. I like Ben Mat- Matherin out of Arizona. Mm. Um, I do want to touch on Ivy, but I want to talk about Matherin first. Uh, I think just his game would fit so well on the Pistons because he's not a lead ball handler, but he can handle the ball a little bit. He can shoot. He's incredibly athletic. He's very much a competitor on the defensive end. He is, I mean, I think he's a little bit similar to Ivy, but I, I, I don't know. I think Ivy definitely has some more ball handling skills. And But uh, Matherin is incredibly, incredibly intriguing to me. Just kind of has that bouncy game. Uh, the <laughs> yeah. the three-point shot is there. And I like that, you know, he's 6'6". He just turned 20 years old. He's got a really good body where he can come in and play minutes for a team right away. Uh, I do want to talk about Jaden Ivey because that's a guy that at the beginning of the 
the like scouting process. Not that I've necessarily scouted these guys all too crazily, but Ivy was definitely a guy that I wasn't necessarily the highest on, but I think starting with the big 10 tournament and these first couple of games of the NCAA tournament, he's done a really nice job boosting his draft stock. Uh, He's drawing comparisons to Donovan Mitchell, Victor Oladipo. Like he is first off one of the quickest, most athletic guards that I've watched. Uh, It's incredible how he just glides down the court and gets up at the rim. Uh, It's so effortless that it it just doesn't look real. Uh, The three point shot. I, uh, the form is very, I don't, quite understand how it works but he has improved as a three-point shooter this year compared to his freshman season uh he's a couple months older he's probably he's going to be about 20 and a half years old by the time the draft comes around but that's not that old really i know we talk about guys being just turning 19 uh and and that's a guy like jabari smith who's not even going to be 19 and a half years old by the time the nba draft rolls around ivy's going to be a little bit older than him but he is such an intriguing prospect to me. I'm definitely going to be watching Purdue to produce games as far as they make it uh, the rest of the tournament, because Ivy is a guy that I've definitely become enamored with. Let's go back to Jabari Smith for a minute, because Auburn lost in the round of 32 and Jabari Smith really struggled in that game. Did, did not shoot the ball. Well, uh, you know, definitely got kind of lost within the game not that he played with good playmakers throughout the years or throughout the year. Auburn definitely struggled at the guard spot uh, and that didn't help him, but he definitely got lost in the mix throughout that game. And when you are so undoubtedly the top player on your team, he did not command the ball enough. Uh, I, I don't know how much that hurt his draft stock, but I think mixing his poor performance with the, the good performances of Chet, of Paulo of Ivy might make this a little bit dicier for who the top pick is, because I think pre uh, March Madness tournament, Jabari Smith was considered to be the top guy and had been for the last at least month or two, but a, a rough performance from him in that round of 32 game mixed with some good performances from some of these other guys has us in a, in a pretty interesting spot. One thing I wanted to also mention with Smith is a big knock on him right now is that he doesn't really handle the basketball. He hasn't really showcased yeah. an off the dribble game. I want to know how much, you know, all those things kind of concern you or maybe don't concern you moving forward. Well, that's what I was going to say. I think if you're somebody that had Jabari Smith number one overall, and then you knock him down in your prospect rankings after his team loses to me, that says, uh, I don't really trust your evaluation skills because Jabari Smith is not a, shot creator he's not the kind of guy that can take a team and put it on his back as anything other than a guy who gets the ball and then shoots it uh he's not going to create for other people he's not like a Jaden Ivey he's not like a like a Keegan Murray even to a certain extent um so that for me that that says you don't know what you're talking about if you're like oh well Jabari Smith is not so good because he didn't carry Auburn of course he didn't you wouldn't expect Clay Thompson to carry the golden state warriors if steph curry is out because that's not clay thompson's game um yeah i I think for me jabari smith i had the same nothing changed for me i look i see the upside for him as being fantastic a six foot ten forward slash you know perhaps shooting guard whatever 
who can go out there and make any shot on the floor. That's awesome. But at the same time, I'm not sold on him on the other end of this floor. And I'm not sold on him in any way other than like, is he tall and can he shoot? Yes. All right. Um, is he especially good at creating separation? No. Can he put the ball on the floor? Really? No. Um, can he handle it? Not really. So eh, I, I just look at it and like, of course, every prospect in this class has their downsides. They have their question marks. All of them do. But when I look at Jabari Smith, I just see the downside being so much more obvious than the upside. A lot more has to go right for him to hit his upside than like has to go wrong for him to bottom out. If that makes sense. Right. Like with Chet, with Chet, he just needs to put on weight. So I guess maybe if Chet has Marfan syndrome and physically cannot put on more muscle, I guess in that case, that would be the worst case scenario. But if Chet Holmgren is physically capable of putting on 40 pounds of muscle, guess what? You've got a defensive player of the year prospect on your hands who, oh, also, by the way, finishes 95% of his shots at the rim. So when I look at that, I don't think it's much of a question for me. Yeah, I think I don't know. Maybe you feel differently. No, I, I think there are some legitimate concerns with, with Jabari Smith. I mean, he might end up being a good role player, but I think his limitations that are very apparent right now definitely concerning now i will say i don't know uh, if there is a clear-cut number one guy in this draft right now i don't know if there's a guy with star potential at the top of this draft right now what i will say though is that as of now the pistons are slated to have uh top odds for the first pick in the nba draft they have a bottom three record right now the top uh, the worst three teams in the nba have the same uh percentage chance of winning the nba draft lottery that being said the Pistons are playing much better basketball to end the year. Meanwhile, the OKC Thunder are trying to lose every game possible. Yeah. I know that they just picked up a win in their last game, but they are quickly, quickly uh, getting closer to the Pistons. Thunder are 21-52. and 52. The Pistons are 20-53. and 53. So the Pistons are 4-6 and six in their last 10. The Thunder are 1-9. and nine. The Thunder are really, really trying to lose. And I think – you know, And Aaron – Go ahead. Aaron, they play the Thunder, so that's going to be a huge game. Oh, yeah. The Pistons need to lose that game to the Thunder. Oh, yeah, they do. And and I think, like, the Portland game, for example, that the Pistons lost, like, the Pistons sat Jeremy Grant. You know, they call it – I think they called it knee soreness or whatever. But the Pistons are going to – you're going to start seeing that. It's what we saw last year, too, with guys like Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumlee. You're going to see it again this year with Jeremy Grant. Uh, they might even do it a little bit with someone like Kate Cunningham. I don't think they'll do it with Sadiq Bay because I know Sadiq no, they uh, a record right now for like most consecutive games played, and we've talked about uh, how important that is to him. So I don't think they'll rest him unless he actually does get injured. But with guys like Grant, maybe even Cunningham, uh, I could see it with you know other guys like maybe the guys that don't really matter as much, Kelly Olynyk. Uh, but just you know, everyday players for the Pistons, if they're healthy, they're going to start resting them a little bit more. You're, they, the Pistons signed Braxton Key to a 10-day contract. Like they're going to probably try to get him some minutes. They might get a couple other guys up over the rest of the season to just see what they can do. Um, it, 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 the Pistons are going to start to try really losing games. I know that they've played a lot better lately, but they definitely want to lock in chances for a top three pick because if you can get a guy like Chad, if you can get a guy like Ivy, like these are guys that, in theory, are really, really could help your team and be key pieces for them down the line. I just, it's, 
I like I said, I don't know if there's a star in this draft, but there are some very solid players at the top. Chet is so intriguing to me. Ivy has really grown on me. Uh, but I don't know what what are your, what are your thoughts on the Pistons losing the rest of the season because it's definitely do it. They need to do. Do it. I I the if you get down to that. If you look, if you finish out in like with the fourth best or sorry, fourth worst record in the NBA, uh, you still have like a 47% chance of landing outside of the top four. You're more the, you have the greatest chance of getting the sixth pick in the draft. If you have the fourth worst record than you have of any other individual pick. So yeah, lose, lose these games, lose to OKC. I don't think they're going to rest Cade because I think they want him to win rookie of the year. Um, but Corey Joseph definitely could see him getting rested. Kelly Olenek for sure. Um, I'd be surprised if Hamadou Diallo made a comeback at this point. Uh, definitely feeling a lot more of those, you know, uh, Cade Cunningham, Jamorco Pickett, Killian Hayes lineup. So, yeah. How disastrous would it be? Disastrous would it be for this team to fall out of the top four? Oh, it'd be horrible. It'd be horrible. Which, which is again, this is you know the anti tankers argument which is you know it's what happened to okc last year but hey look at okc they got josh giddy so you never know man there's there's players available you said you there might not be a star there might not be a star at the top of this draft but there is a star somewhere in this draft aaron and the pistons will have most likely a good enough pick to to get a chance at at a star so it's up to them to make the right one i mean obviously one if you're a Pistons fan, you're hoping that Detroit wins the lottery. But I think more of a, a team, you know, team building perspective, the reality of it is you can't bank on, on the top pick. I think if the Pistons end up in, within the top four, they're in a very, very good spot because I think I would be comfortable taking any of Jabari Smith, Jeff Holmgren, Jaden Ivey, or Paolo Bencaro within the top four. After Same. that, it becomes a, a little bit more dicey. Like, I like A.J. Griffin out of Duke, but is he worthy of the, a top-five pick? Does, does Jalen Duran? I mean, is he worthy of a, a top-eight pick? We haven't seen Jaden Sharp play this year. Like, what? how do we know he is worth a top-ten pick? Like, the only guy that I really like right now that isn't mocked within the top five of any mock draft is Ben Matherin out of Arizona. These other yeah. guys, they might be, be good players, and maybe I just you know haven't watched enough of them to make – that observation, but I can't look at these guys and say, man, yeah, the Pistons would be better off for, for taking them. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you, Aaron, but uh, we will get a chance to see some of these guys play this week, and I'm sure we will have plenty and plenty of time to talk about the NBA draft and the lottery and who we think the Pistons should take in the upcoming months as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. So the Pistons, excuse me, March Madness continues tonight. March Madness will have games tonight, Friday, and then the lead eight Saturday and Sunday. So we're going to definitely have uh, more to talk about in regards to these top draft picks, how they fared in the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight on next week's edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. The Pistons are back in action on Friday against the Wizards. Then they are off on Saturday, and they play Sunday afternoon tilt against the New York Knicks. So we'll see. What goes on with the Pistons March Madness? We're going to revisit a lot of this discussion again next week. Hopefully we'll have some other stuff on the Pistons uh, and what's going on with them. Maybe they'll have lost a few more games and improved their standing 
in the locker Lord willing. <laughs> we'll get into all of that and more next week uh, on the Palace of Pistons podcast. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.